This is the Ulster Rugby Roundup Show, part of the Three Bod Rugby Group. folks and welcome to White Walkers Chat and Crack. With me today is Wingnut, the right-hand man, Dave Topping himself. How are you, Dave? I am very good, Nick King. How are you? I am fine. And tonight we'll be discussing, amongst other things, we have a very special guest tonight, uh, and that's uh, Ian McKinley, formerly of Benetton and Italy fame. We'll be discussing what he's doing and uh, grassroots rugby and the effect of COVID. We'll be discussing the three games that also have played in the Pro 14 so far this season. Uh, we'll also be having a look at the Academy Sevens program that was run a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Ulster seem to do quite well in that, so we'll discuss a little bit about that. Uh, yes, we will have a chat about the uh, Ireland selection, which will no doubt uh, bring some interesting comments. Um, also, um, obviously, you'll have all heard the news that France go into uh, total lockdown on Friday evening. We don't know what impact that will have on the game in France, probably quite a profound one. But if anybody gets any information on that, folks, can you pop it up on the chat bar on the side and we'll pass it on to the rest of the members because at this stage we don't really know. So, anyway, Dave, have a good week. And Ian, welcome to the show. Go blame me. I nearly, I nearly ignored our guests. Don't worry. Oh, tell you what, tell you. Right, this will probably be a fairly short conversation about grassroots rugby, and then we'll talk about you and your roles. But you're obviously involved at Rainy and Dowd now. Um, has, has really anything been happening this season at grassroots level to club rugby? Yeah, we were fortunate enough to at least get about three or four games under our under our belt so that's obviously come to a to a stop again unfortunately so i think it's just in this block at the moment is just trying to keep guys sort of mentally active because it's it's just tough for guys not being able to train properly you know not go onto the field at least so trying to do a small bit just to give you know little targets during the week because you you know most guys at grassroots level obviously you know you've got your monday to friday job or you're studying and then saturday is your release um so just trying to give something uh, some sort of structure to your week because it's incredibly difficult so at the moment then is it more about zoom meetings or emails just say trying to set those goals i mean i mean it's got to be very hard to keep guys motivated as you say they've other yeah. things in their lives and then of course yeah. mind focused on the rugby as well yeah, I mean, first objective, I suppose, for people is to make sure they're still working, you know, is to keep the the bills been paid and people can, you know, totally understand that. So I think it's just trying to have a balance of of making sure that, 
you know, you still keep in contact with rugby and just sort of keeping in touch. I mean, everyone, uh, you know, I know I'm going a little bit mad at times not been able to go to a pub or a restaurant or something just to have a little bit of a release. So again, it's just keeping up that contact uh, really important. And I suppose from a club, from a club perspective too, obviously, the the longer that we're away from the game, the longer you know, the longer term. Um, obviously, you have to look at the financial side of things as well, and uh, and obviously, there's going to be a lot of clubs under pressure with that. Uh, um, you know, where where would you see? Um, the, you know the game going say you know even into the new year I think it's you know from a professional point of view it's pretty scary reading when you see the IRFU's report been released last week you hear of 140 people been let go from the IRFU it, it doesn't make for pretty reading and, and I don't know we'll, we'll, we won't really see the main effects of this financially probably until you know the turn of the, the new year so it's very worrying for people and, you know, that's almost the great thing about grassroots rugby is that people play for the enjoyment of it. You know, people make the effort to, as I said, they do their Monday to Friday slog and, um, you know, looking after their family and it's just a pure enjoyment thing, which, you know, I take my hat off to anyone who, you know, is on a bus, you know, maybe going from rainy down to Dolphin to play a game to come back up, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy. So... You know, the core, the essence of the game, I have no doubt that that's still, you know, that'll never change. Uh, I suppose it's just you're going to see, you know, the bigger teams at the moment. You see even in the in the soccer, you know, that they're looking at coming together to have this big tournament with the top teams. You know, is that a route that rugby's going to potentially go down? I think time will just tell, but who knows what's been discussed behind the scenes. Absolutely. I think as well, though, um, with as you say, the reports that are coming out, and we know that all unions are under extreme financial pressure now with no fans, no games. You know, there's going to be an issue with contracts in the professional teams with players. I think that's something that looks to me is going to come up. Uh, will we be able to gain as many of our foreign players? Will we even maybe be able to have as many central contracts even as we, we would like at the end of the season? And that actually brings grassroots and club rugby more into the fray because we're going to have to look more there, aren't we, for the, the talent that we bring through into academies, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably the point that, you know, most Ulster supporters will be, will be saying, you know, that we haven't brought through good young Ulster players at the moment. Maybe we're relying a little bit too much on, on other provinces to, to, to get our players, but Ulster have proved and you'll probably speak about it later on, but the young guys are certainly there and, and coming through. So definitely, it, you know, that's probably, that could be a silver lining um, to this issue. Yeah. Um, just investing more into into young people and uh, and making sure that you have, you have, Ulster, you have good Ulster players representing Ulster. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Oh, sorry, I thought Dave was going to ask a question. No. I'm going to go with you now, actually, so I mean, personally. I mean, obviously, we all know your exploits um, when you played. Well, we, we know of you from playing back in Ireland, obviously playing for Bennett and playing for Italy. Uh, could you explain just to the viewers your role currently? Uh, I mean, we, we noticed you're doing a bit of punditry as well, which is always good to see. Uh, yeah. Did you say we've always got to work a bit, haven't we? <laughs> they, must have been, they must have been short staffed. I don't know how they worked no, that out. But, uh, no, it was, it's, it's a good experience. And in some ways, I suppose it's, you know, I'm... I'm you know, standing up for Italy because it's all it is you know it's not all doom and gloom at the moment but it was certainly the weekend depressed me hugely not just with the international but the, the the club game but 
No, I suppose my, my role at the moment is, has, uh, you know, COVID has played a, a huge part in, in the last sort of six months of my life. And uh, I was living over in Treviso. Um, I was ready to be there for another couple of years, not with Treviso, but with another club. And uh, yeah, just financially, you know, COVID has taken a massive hit there. So there are no guarantees. And, and my wife is from Northern Ireland. And we just thought that this is, you know, as good a time as ever to step back and you know be close as close as you can be to family and friends um at the moment and you know it's been um a hectic sort of 10 years for me mentally so i just think now given all the circumstances the stop start nature of cl the club rugby even the elite game i mean you've got you know viruses in 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 teams and you know all you have to do is look at the example of wasps you know how many players they were missing so there's no guarantees really at the moment. So, I don't, you know, it's as good a time as ever. And I'm currently working in Ballymena Academy in the school with John Andrews there, who's also the same coach as uh, with Rainey. So uh, learning a lot from him. And uh, yeah, it's a good group of good group of players I'm working with up in Rainey. Yeah, I'm just having a wee look here, uh, just at the comments that are coming up there. First of all, uh, Ian Gilbert, uh, our resident Ulsterman way out in the way out in the watery stick there, Ian, good to see you this evening, and uh, uh, some gent by the name, uh, uh, oh, we have to be careful here, uh, the lawyers must, we must, the lawyers say we must call him Kigo, uh, Kigo says, great job Ian over the weekend on Virgin Sport, so obviously somebody was watching there, um, Thank you. <laughs> Johnny Wappa, Johnny Wappa, good evening to you, evening, hope everything's going well, and Gregor Galway, Hey Gregor, good to see you back around there. Um, you've been active today, and uh, so it's great to great to see you. But uh, Ian just said there's no mention of the lockdown on the French uh, rugby website yet. Uh, yeah. Say well, uh, thanks for that, Ian. I say keep an eye on it and see what's happening. And uh, just coming through on the bottom there. Uh, oh, must be my brother Richard Reggie. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Good to see you, Reggie. Reggie. Hope everything's going well. And I Casper's I think I get your point in. Sorry, David. I think I get your point in about Italy. It was, I think, um, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly what to make of Italy because if you look, you know, you look at Bennett, and I know they haven't won any games, but they look a much sharper side this season to me. And I think they will upset a few teams this year. Definitely, they have been moving that way anyway. Mm -hmm. He looks like a serious talent. News at ten would probably be more um, equipped to talk about him than I am. But for twenty years old. That lad looks a serious talent to me. Um, and there's a lot of youth coming into that side as well. So, you know, we get all the usual cries about why Italy, why Italy, why not Georgia? I think the Scotland result against Georgia on Friday night answers that question profoundly, in my opinion. We stick with it. Uh, because if you look at Bennett in particularly, that's a team that I think are going the right direction. But um, what, what do you think of that lad, Garbisi, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. No, he's like Paolo's... Uh... Seriously talented player. He was captain of the under twenties last year. Um, you know, tough game for him to start. You you know, playing nine and ten, you sort of rely a lot on your forward pack to give you that sort of front football. And you know, from experience of, of playing with Italy, front football is a is a tough thing to come by. So um, you know, I thought he conducted himself pretty well. And that last try at the end just sort of showed individual brilliance. You can't coach at any of that. That's just yeah. identification yeah. of space, decision making under pressure. So. You know, for Italy, it's very exciting to have players like that. And that's sort of what I've been saying for years. And it's, 
probably the same up in Ulster. You know, I'm getting a you know a little glimpse into what rugby is like up here. You know, considering most of my time has been down in Leinster, and you know there are seriously talented players both in Ulster and, and Italy. It's just maybe where you could say the 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 setup maybe hasn't been exactly right in getting these players yeah. fully through and. You know, but that's not to say that there isn't talent. And, and it's honestly the same thing in Italy is that you've got guys like this. I mean, there are other examples, not just Paolo uh, in the out half position, young guys that I've seen coming through that just whatever way they maybe fell off the track a little bit and there was no backup for them or something like that. And, and especially Italy, whenever it's not them in sport and you don't have that, you know, numbers wise, you know, wouldn't be particularly low, but, you know, it's just it's just about making sure that they've got the the right training structure to make that leap. Um, yeah, and progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I can understand. I can understand the frustration from people saying, "Well, there should be the right relegation system," and whether I'm biased or not. But I I use the example of when Italy beat Georgia in 2018. The the gap was 11 points, but it should have been about 14, yeah. in my opinion. And I think you even just see. <laughs> sort of style and play the skill level I mean I don't know how many people would have watched the Scotland-Georgia game but really at the, Georgia didn't look particularly strong and not many ideas and whereas Italy I think you can try you, you can see there are pockets now there are very simple things like basic tackling uh, basic defensive errors that, that kill you but that's international rugby if you're half a metre off where you need to be. You saw Sexton's intercept. He just took that ball half a meter too far, a meter too far. And even if you play against Italy, you play against Georgia, you'll you'll get picked off like that. So they're mm -hmm. the they're the fine margins at, at top level rugby. No, I think I, I get what you're saying. If you watch the two teams, I think the way you can see what Italy are trying to do. Um, but as, as you say, the set piece maybe isn't quite right there. The execution is not quite right. But they're going the right direction, and I think they are quite a bit ahead of where Georgia are. Mm -hmm. Georgia fair bit of grundle power and they can grind the odd team down but they're not at the level I think look at the end of the day Italy have had a bad run for four or five years I think that team they've got that squad they've got with Benetton in behind and as you say other players that you would know more about than us I think they are going in the right direction we keep saying I know but I actually do believe they are <laughs> replacing them with the likes of Georgia is a positive move at all at this point I'd actually rather see Georgia maybe even enter a team into the Pro 14 Pro 16 whatever it's going to be a bit like maybe the Jaguars and, and Super Rugby, because I don't think they can compete at international level at this stage. Uh, and they need something interim, because uh, you know that second level competition is all good and fine, but we don't seem to be, they don't seem to get a lot closer, you know, to the tier teams. And I don't think Italy are far enough away to consider putting down into that tournament, because I just, frankly, Italy will just go in and walk it every year as well, and probably by a bigger margin. Than yeah, I, I think you know we're in a we're in an awkward situation because even in the World Cup you saw you know you you know Italy played Canada and that was you know a big score and you saw a difference in in pace and power and it's just that at the moment we're just caught in between that you know top tier yeah. and then and then the the rest we're really in that in that in the gap there and you know there there is a massive difference you know there's a massive difference between who who's you know, in first place in the rankings to 15th, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Absolutely. But, you know, you, you know, to become the best you can be, you do got to, you have to play the best as well. So, as you said, you know, Zebra and Treviso playing week in, week out. I think Benetton, you know, we had our two years ago or last, it was two years ago when we reached the, the playoff, you know, that 
it's a huge moment for Italian rugby because we, we really right. did deserve that. And uh, unfortunately, results haven't gone well this year, but you can't lack performance. I mean, it's uh, again, it's just those small margins. Um, but I, I, can, I can tell you that that people work their butts off to try get a win oh, each yeah. week. You know, honestly, it's it's. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not easy at times, but that's that's the that's the reality that we live in, and everything is based on on results. But I do I do feel very left out because both of you have your Ulster tops, and I I still have, I just have my my Benetton Christmas jumper on here, so I, it was just the first thing I threw on. So nothing not nothing wrong. Wrong. It was my birthday yesterday, and this is one of my presents. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Will we, see the, will we see you in the TV studio again soon? Uh, this this week, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this weekend, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Sorry, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, now, okay, we've got some latest news there. Thanks to Ian Gilbert. Uh, the women's Six Nation picture uh, between Ireland and France has been called off due to an outbreak of COVID within the French camp. Right, there you go. And that was, that was actually Dublin, wasn't it? Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the French actually agreed to come over um, yeah. and play, play here. I'm kind of I'm kind of going with what we were talking to Ian earlier. It's just it's just looking like this tournament's pretty much over, or that that game's our game's going to be probably a goner anyway. Um, which is sad to see. Which is sad to see. And Ian, I look forward to next time we get you on the chat about what you're doing. You'll have quite a lot of miles under your belt. And you'll have worked a lot with players. It's just fingers crossed. Yeah, geez, at this stage, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a horrible season, isn't it? For that, you know, just it's just been a terrible year all around for everybody. But um, listen, guys, if we could, we're going to move on to um, Ulster's start in the Pro 14. Obviously, we've got uh, three games that we can briefly go through, starting off, with, uh, I'm sorry, in the game against Benton, which I actually think was the tightest game we played. I was really impressed with Benton in the first weekend, which finished uh, Ulster 35, Benetton 24. Uh, then we had... Uh, the trip to Ospreys, which I thought was quite a surprising result for us. I thought Ospreys might might do us in that one, but we won 12-24. And uh, then the game last weekend, which um, I think was a bit of a, an easy one for us there in the end because uh, it was 40 points to 17, but he made a lot of changes in the second half and the performance dropped off, but job was done. So, David, do you want to run through uh, the first game and your thoughts on it? Well, you know what? I, I, I've always found games against Belt and Treviso always to be the, the, the most closest to a banana skin you can ever get in the Pro 14. You know, Benetton have always played really well against us. And, um, you know, when I, I sort of sat back and looked at it, I was like, why should we ever sort of maybe lucky to get away with 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 an, you know with the victory that we did? Um, I think we made quite a lot of mistakes. We were going to make some mistakes anyway. First game out of the blocks, there's going to be issues with cohesion. Uh, um, and you know, from uh, from standpoint, if you look at the line, I look at the line over the three games. The, the line has um, you know improved exponentially in in my view. You know. And it's those players coming through, especially where, you know, you have um, Herring called into the Ireland squad. You know, we have the players, we have the, the depth there to be able to produce good line-out ball. You know, even our signature malls are, are going through and they're working well. Uh, the scrum, yes, it needs a bit of work, but it always does. You know, especially in, that, especially in those first four or five games, 
you need to get that cohesion again. Um, but overall, uh, I thought we played well. Um, you know, we did let some soft tries through. Absolutely, some of our defence was was a bit shocking, to be fair. But uh, I think we were lucky to get through by by eleven. I'm going to assume you watched that game, Ian, um, given it was Ben. Yeah. Well, it was a tight game for quite a while, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, I was actually commenting on BBC Radio about it during the game, so um, I had to watch it, I had no choice. Um, well, first thing, I suppose, considering that was the first game back, uh, you know, first start of the season in some way, seriously entertaining game, and, you know, just as a neutral fan, you know, it was a breath of fresh air, to be honest. That first half in particular was just open, running rugby, and... You know, for the small 600 crowd that was in attendance, you know, they definitely would have got their money's worth. I don't know if they would have paid for the tickets or not, but um, it was um, sort of end-to-end <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I think Treviso can, can feel hard done by, but, um, you know, again, just alluding to the young young players, so Larry and Hume and more and these guys, you know, scoring tries, you know, that's a breath of fresh air for Ulster Rugby. Um you know, a produce of, of the home province, you know, putting up performances. So, um, no, I think Ulster definitely deserved the win. I think it, it probably should have been a little bit tighter than what it was. But again, they're just small moments and Ulster just, you know, organise the game and control those moments better in the second half. I think, yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I agree with you. I think Ulster deserved the win, but it was a tight game. And as David mm-hmm. says, I mean, last season, we had two incredibly tight games against Bennett and home and away. Mm-hmm. Was it- uh, we only beat them by two points or something. Was that the same? Uh, so last mm-hmm. year we um, was it. We had the draw, and Nigel Owens gave a penalty try at the end during the Six yes. Nations, yes. I think, and then yeah. we lost a home 10-15. Yeah, I mean they're just just always hard game, and I think yeah. um, even the games since the Bennett have played, they've, they've just been on the wrong side of it. So you know it's yeah. not an awful lot for them to start really, I think, hammering teams home. Because that was a decent Ulster side they played. I think that, like, as you said, those young they're not making up the numbers now. They're contributing to the squad. Uh, I mean, some, James Hume is going to be hard to shift out of that team the way he's playing at the minute. Um, so, you know, it's fantastic to see both teams going at it. And you say first game, and they just both went at it. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on to. Uh, did you watch the other Ulster games, Ian? Before I ask you any more questions, <laughs> uh, the, they're not the Ospreys one. No, the Dragons. I saw a bit more of. So um, right, okay. No, again, um, just yeah. Okay, well, the Ospreys they, game. Well, Dave and I can discuss it. Um, I actually thought that may be a banana skin for us. Um, that game because mm. uh, they played well. Uh, I think it was away to Edinburgh, wasn't it? They they went up and yeah. Well, but uh, they they looked like a really good side. But I have to say, I think the lads pulled off a really good performance there to win that. And again, deserve to win it. Again, same, some of the same candidates. I think, as you said, David, the, the scrum performed better. The line-out certainly performed better. The mall performed better. What I like to see in the second game, and I think we've seen it again in the third game, was the accuracy became better in the open play. Because I think we've yeah. all seen trying to do, we just weren't doing it very well at times, referring back to some of the play. And you know what they're trying to do. It's just not maybe been executed perfectly. But that seems to have been stepped up a little this season. What do you think, David? Uh, for, for sure. You, as I said, you could see the progression, certainly in accuracy. Um, even in terms of metres gained, you know, you could see progression in that um, through. And, uh, and I have to admit now, I'm, I'm, liking, uh, I'm liking the possibility of once we get all these internationals out of the way, um, 
Hume and one McCluskey joining up for a bit of a battering session. I think uh, I think they could uh, cause a bit of havoc uh, in on defences. Certainly, certainly uh, in that wee period between the end of the Autumn Internationals and Six Nations again next year. Uh, I think we've, I think we've got uh, we're trying to get some good quality uh, depth in, in the cent- in the centre partnerships. Um, Can I ask you something about that, Dave? Can I just interrupt you there and ask you something yeah. about that? Is it going to be? And I know, I mean, Hume is a bit like uh, all the Irish, other Irish centres, he can move between 12 and 13. So is it going to be McCluskey and Hume? Or are we potentially looking at McCluskey and Moor? Because Moor to me looks like he's, a, he's the lighter, the quicker probably guy. He's, he's more the dancer around, whereas Hume, well, Hume has pretty much got it all, I think. Mm-hmm. He's also a good playmaker by the looks of it. He's not at all afraid to put the ball across the park to the wingers and sort of act almost like a second ten. Uh, yeah. which interesting. Um, so, would, would you think of you think? sort of a Marshall McCluskey? Well, yeah, I, I think if you're thinking of a, a like a, Mar- a Marshall McCluskey style, then maybe then uh, I would say Murr and Hume. I say Murr and Hume together, even actually. But even uh, I would say Murr and McCluskey. You know, if they develop. Um, that same sort of partnership that, that McCluskey has with, with with Marshall there, um, just knowing it's just that knowing where you are at the time when that wee pop pass comes through to gain those extra meters and you know even to bash one over the, the line for for scores, I, I I would say probably I would probably go more McCluskey, but yeah. uh, but then that that's and and I would say maybe you know give Marshall time a Hume just to. Develop the the spatial awareness, you know, mm. to be able to get those wee passes away uh, and get those offloads. Well, can I ask you about that? Just on a positional sense, for me, it's the question I'm asking is: I think are are, are McCluskey and Hume two alike to play in the same team? Do you need that slight difference in players? I know we see a way that also played in the past. For example, that McCluskey would be the barnstormer, chip through the offloader. And uh, Luke Marshall generally knows where to be on his shoulder, which is, I think, what costs McCluskey in a green shirt. He goes off on his own. There's nobody with him, and he gets caught out at times. But McCluskey, or Marshall knows where to be, and he can quite often offload him. Are, are they too similar? What do you think is the, a good mix of centres? Uh, I think it depends on what you want to do, what your sort of style of play is, who you're also coming up against. I think that's the thing why, you know, why are Leinster such a... A dominant force not only in the pro 14 but in european rugby wire saracens you, they've got strength and depth in in the squad so you can you you don't become so predictable as well when you play teams but you also try and counteract if you've got a you know a slow center part partnership then you might look at a at a hugh moore uh partnership to try and to counteract that uh, if you're going up against a french team and you need a bit more power you're always going to put mccluskey in there and i think actually He's, you know, from having played against him numerous times, he's one of the hardest people to tackle, and he's been very unfortunate with Ireland not to get more, more game time. Um, so I think again, it just really depends on who you're going to be playing. Um, I haven't seen enough of of you know James Hume and, and Stuart Moore to be honest to make to make a decision. I would always, I would say that McCluskey, you know, for the big games, he'll always be there at twelve. Um, and I think it just comes down to form. Who's actually performing on the day and closer to closer to the game time, and who uh, you know what the coach, what Dan McFarland sees fit for that game. Right, but it's nice. It's nice for also to actually have those choices. I think that's something the course, past. Yeah. You know, we tended to rely very much on 
the same two guys every week, even last season to an extent. But James Hume started to come through then. Young Moore's come through. We've even got the likes of Young Curtis to come back uh, when his injuries. He, he was starting to look quite good. So we've got options now that we just didn't have before and haven't had for years. Nice to see. We'll move on to the uh, Dragons game last weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little assessment of that out. Uh, I thought Ulster came out and just completely dominated that game in the first half. Uh, yeah, we're probably going to have to criticise Dragons a little in their intensity and defence. They just didn't seem to be end of the game, but Ulster certainly took advantage of that and were 35 points to three up at half time. Um, the second half, actually, Dragons won it on points, but mm-hmm. by the time McFarland made a lot of changes very quickly and it certainly affected Ulster's tempo. That's a little bit of a worry in a sense because, you know, we took off uh, the likes of Kutsaya and he starts following some of the big lads and we didn't seem to have the same impact. But again, I think uh, Dan's, and again, correct me if you think I'm wrong, guys, Dan seems to be rotating the squad an awful lot this season because Matty Ray's been a fantastic carrier for us so far this season. He wasn't there. So he just seems to be mixing it up and giving everybody as much game time as he can earlier on in the season, which might, you know, because a lot of fans were saying, why can't Ulster put these games to bed? When I looked at the second half changes, I thought it was never about putting that game to bed. It was put to bed at halftime. It was just about giving these guys a bit of game time. That was for me anyway. What do you think, David? Certainly from uh, 15 minutes, I was just sitting there, I keep wondering, uh, who are you and what have you done with Ulster Rugby? Uh, it was it was a completely different Ulster to what we had seen in the first two rounds. Um, I think it's the, that sort of thing that we need to keep going now, I think, as, as the rounds progress. I think we need to try and dominate that first 10 minutes and try and give us ourselves a fighting chance of, of at least getting to halftime with something, especially against maybe you know the the mighty opposition, especially when we get to the, the Leinster games and the, and the Interpro series again. I think we're going to be fine that unless we get points on the board in the first 10 minutes of, of any game now, we're going to be, we could possibly struggle depending on you know what uh, what their defense is like and what's what's going on with dragons you're, you're right now a lot of grace they their defense just didn't seem to want to turn up because they, they were just taking one look at what we were doing and just said no we don't want any of that thank you very much you know we'll we'll, we'll get the bus later and you know for me it was you know obviously there must have been a few layers of paint stripped off uh, the away changing room um um Especially uh, the way the way the dragons came out in that second half, I thought oh, if you guys had come out that way in the first half, uh, we would have a much different game in our hands and probably a much tighter scoreline than you know what it ended up with. Um, very possibly, yeah, I could possibly right. Um, I think their bench players made a lot of difference too. People putting hands up for this game. Um, the Ulster players not so much. Maybe as uh, definitely Ulster's intensity dropped off. They switched it on for one try and showed they could still turn it up. Um, and, you know, yeah, against bigger opposition, you could find yourself coming a bit unstuck in, in that sort of scenario. But my argument, again, would be if you're in a game against bigger opposition in a tighter game, you wouldn't make that many changes that quick anyway. You know, I mean, he just basically emptied the bench, didn't he? Um, right, lads, off you go on a game. You won't do that in a big game. You'll, 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 you'll change your players as they tire, as you need fresh, you know, fresh feet into the positions that are tiring. So you know, it's it's you can't compare that. I think you didn't see the game, Ian. You were saying, yeah, no, I did. I didn't. I did, yeah, I did. So I mean, the dragons obviously were, were poor enough, but I think that's if maybe I'm trying to think what the way the coaches are thinking. 
that's the difference between a top team, you know, a top, top team, say, if we're trying to make a comparison with Leinster and, uh, you know, maybe Ulster at the moment. I mean, Ulster undoubtedly have serious talent and fantastic players, but I'm sure the coaching staff, I, like your point of, you know, emptying the bench, getting players game time is absolutely spot on. Uh, but that, you know, Dragons winning a second half is not probably good enough, you know, and that's the standard then that needs to be reached. And, uh, you know, if, if Leinster were to play that game, would the Dragons have won the second half? I don't know. Like, I watched the, the Zebra game and Zebra were there to be have 70 points put on them and they, you know, it was 68. And so they did it. You know, they absolutely, fifth gear was never, the foot was never taken off. So that's the that's the challenge, I suppose. Whenever you find yourself in those situations, it's really like the game was put to bed. Like <laughs> not, you know, maybe this is me being ultra critical, but uh, you know, I think that's the step that definitely the coaches will be looking to. It's a fair comment, and obviously you're not there, so you don't know whether it was coach driven or whether it was players not performing to the coach's expectations in the second half. Um, it's also from a player from a player point of view when when it's thirty five three at half time. You're only human as well. It's it's you know the you know the game is done, so it is easy, I suppose, to get into that sort of mindset. Right. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Dave. Are you gonna say something? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm just gonna say, like, welcome everybody. You know, it's we're 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 halfway through the show here. Welcome everybody to the White Walkers chat and crack. Say the Night King himself, Mr. Gill, Mr. Quigley, uh, Mr. McKinley down below. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, uh, it's it's great to finally get you on the show and, and have a chat about uh, all things grassroots. Uh, a wee bit about uh, uh, your time with with Benetton and uh, and Italy and uh, and obviously we want to head out to uh, the partners uh, who are uh, sponsoring the show tonight. Uh, first of all, um, Kinako Belton, um, uh, one of our local companies, and. Uh, Run by our good friend Ilsa Van Staden and her partner, um, taking Irish Irish beef plus uh, um, South African spices and making some very very fine biltong, especially the garlic stuff. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, also, um, want to give a shout out to uh, the Irish Whiskey Review, um, one of our uh, one of our good friends uh, with a uh, who gives blue badge tours and also knows a heck of a lot about good Irish whiskey. And uh, and also to our good friends at Hellbent, uh, of course, uh, the, the great company run by Ulster's own Louis Liddick uh, and friends. Um, obviously, they take their, uh, again, by an Irish beef, add a little bit of South African spice to it. Uh, absolutely delicious stuff coming through. And uh, it's, it's great to have Hellbent with us uh, uh, through on the White Walker show. Um, and I'm going to take a couple of these shout outs here as well. Uh, Ian, let's see, Gerald Williamson. Hello, Gerald. Good to see you on the show, uh, Gerald. Uh, quick question here. Should the Six Nations remain as it is or make it eight, even divided into two groups of four, but the winners of each group playing each other in a final? Uh, Ian, what do you think of that? Conferences. Yeah, um, I suppose we'll get a, a glimpse of that. Yeah, once the Six Nations is over, um, I think it's just trying to find the time <laughs> in in a in a calendar year to get those games done. I think we're we're really at a stretch at the moment, and trying to find extra weekends is is going to be a very difficult thing. So um, it's up to player resources as well. Um, depending on how many players you have, I know 
maybe from an Italy standpoint, it could be a tricky thing. So, but I mean, we'll see what it's like now in the in the in the coming weeks after the Six Nations finished. Uh, good stuff. And I want to give a wee shout out to uh, uh, to our good friend uh, Renan Stanekamp. I know Renan, uh, uh, he, he may watch us on the catch up sometime, but uh, just to let you know, Renan, we are thinking about you, buddy. Uh, so we want to pass our best wishes to you. Um, and uh, speaking of our, sorry, our South African brethren, uh, there's Casper uh, van der Merwe all the way from Bloemfontein. Hello, Casper. Good to see you. And, uh, he was, Mr. Cheetah uh, himself. Uh, there you go. That's a, that's a great mix of the two. You get the cheetahs and get the extra one in there. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, Sean McGavin, uh, all aboard the Benetton bus. There are second favorite teams from the Munster. Oh, yeah, you were saying about Lou Lydic and the pundits done us a great favor by making a couple of references on Sunday. Lou Lydic not having scored for 20 months, and he gets to. Well done, lads. Keep that one up. And let's see who else we got there. Greg, Ian Gilbert, schools and crashes. And, uh, and he goes, definition of a crash is a car accident on the Malone Road. Uh, will remain open during the French lockdown. So maybe the game will go ahead. Think of that as you may. Um uh, and also, Sean put a one up here. Uh, lads, any thoughts on Jack McGrath not getting in the Ireland squad? I can't get my head around it. Well, Jack didn't play last week, did he? No, he didn't. No, no it, he didn't, no. Oh, so, uh, you know, maybe there's a niggle or an injury there as well, but it, that doesn't mean he's in the shout for an Ireland spot. Um We'll, we'll be talking about this towards the end of the, the show anyway, lads, so we'll, we're not going to in any great mm -hmm. details. That could be an awfully long conversation. <laughs> Just one thing to say about uh, regarding the Pro 14. We've got Cardiff Blues away on Monday night. Um, that, for me, is going to be a tough one because that, that was a hell of a spectacle of rugby we saw against Munster at the weekend. Um, Munster mm -hmm. came out already deserved, but what a game. What a game. Of, sorry, on Monday, Monday night. What a game of rugby that was, did you see that one, Ian? Yeah, I just saw the highlights of that. So, um, you know, Cardiff play on the edge. Uh, very exciting team to watch. And mm -hmm. that's going to be a tough one. But, you know, Ulster can definitely go there and win. No, you know, yeah. with the with yeah. the synthetic fields, it's good for open running rugby. So they can definitely do, do a job. Well, let's hope so. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Because I think that is a, that's going to be a tough game. David, what about the the concept of Monday Night Rugby? You, know, what do you guys think of it? As I'm not so keen on the half. I'm not so keen on the half five. The half five starts six o'clock starts because sometimes I'm home from work at that time. So I'm going to have to make work change to suit my rugby rather than the other way around. You know. <laughs> and we've got three games. I think next Monday, haven't we? We do indeed. Yeah. yeah three games. I mean, that, that's that's the wife totally pissed off. Like, I mean, it's just going to be. I hate. It. Right. So you got Super Saturday on Saturday. You probably only have a games on Sunday to watch, and we've got Monday night now as well. Um, oh. So, yeah, it makes me very We may start earning brownie points here, lads. Uh, I, well, I, well, after, after <laughs> the many years I'm married, that gets hard to do. So it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lads. Thanks for that. 
We'll move on to, uh, we'll talk, we can't really talk an awful lot about the detail of this, but uh, as we know, there was an Academy Sevens program started a couple of weeks ago uh, in Dublin, and it involved at this stage um, the Ireland Sevens, Ulster, Munster, and Connacht Academy Sevens teams. Um, the results, um, obviously, the as you would expect, the Ireland team won all their games. You would absolutely shocked if they didn't. Uh, second in that would have been Ulster, who lost against Ireland, but got a quite heavy win against Connacht. Remember the scores? That forty-five-five was that one, David? I think it was, wasn't it? Was it? Indeed, yeah. The Munster one was a tighter game. What was the score net? I've got twenty-four twelve in my head, but that may not be right, is it? No, I need to double check. I won't myself. I'll be honest. Anyway, um, Leinster didn't feed the side. I don't know why that was. I was asking a few people why, and maybe Ian, you might have an idea, do you? I think they were talking about the next time round, but it's, no. I, to be honest, I have no idea, <laughs> and I'm going to be straight yeah. up and, and truthful about this. So I, uh, I think you guys are are the more you know you've got the expertise on this more than I do. I would wonder maybe if it was just because of the uh, you know they've, they've, they've got quite a few injuries at the moment, Leinster, and they've got a lot of guys away with international camp. Maybe they didn't want academy players away in a tournament as well. Uh, but I'm just uh, no, I think to, to be honest, yeah, to, to be honest, I suppose the way that everything is uh, is going, just getting players playing, yeah. you know, is, is is the big thing at the moment. I know that's, I know this is on a on a smaller scale, but um, with even with Balamina Academy, like you know, speaking with with John Andrews, your know, coach, trying to plan for the foreseeable is is quite difficult. And whenever you got two games in a row, it was just about well, grab them and just you know get some sort of playing so maybe you know the, even if guys are in on the sevens program you know at least they're just getting some sort of rugby under their belt uh, just something to grab onto grab onto anything at this stage yeah i suppose so i i absolutely love the sevens because one thing i think it really i mean obviously it's it's for the faster white playing player but every sevens player that plays at a reasonable level seems to have number 15s um, you know, I looked at like, when he came into the Ulster setup. The one thing that lad does is tackle, and he doesn't miss many. And that seems mm-hmm. to be players. And I wonder is that um, why we're seeing a big push on academy sevens and Ireland sevens? Not so much because there is a great sevens tournament out there that we should be a part of and should be feeding into, but what it contributes to the 15 side game as well. Because a lot of these guys play over the 15s, don't they? Well, yeah, I think didn't didn't Hugo Keenan come through the sevens? If if I'm correct, yes, I think he did actually. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so it's well. Yeah, so it's it's a bloody tough sport. I tell you that I, I tried it with Italy, and it's uh, it's a completely different different ball game. Um, but the core skills are there, you know, of catch, run, pass, tackle, rook, and so it's. Uh, you know, you just need to be seriously fit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a seriously fit man's game, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, well, looking at the Ulster side, Aaron Sexton obviously he has had a has had a good run out with that, and uh, uh, the YouTube uh, video of his his try in that tournament. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it'll stay with you for quite a while. Uh, for me, also Lewis Finley sh- mm-hmm. showing a lot of promise in there, and. Uh, uh, and Cormac is a Chukwu, uh 
I'll you go practice it all week. Cormac had had a, a real good run there in the seven and the sevens, and I think we'll, we'll see him progress as the as the, the academy tournaments you know progress on. Um, uh, funny enough, uh, just see there in the comments, uh, Gerald just said Leinster had a few injuries and others weren't available for that. Uh, you know, for that sevens tournament, so. Uh, um, so that's a uh, and Sean said, "Yep, Will Connors, Shane Daly was another uh, another sevens uh, player called up to to the senior squad. So you know, uh, so we are seeing that progression now, using the seven skills, you know, to to and it is percolating into the fifteen aside game. I think I speak for many many Ulster fans. Oh, please, 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 Dan. At some stage, can we see Aaron Saxon on the wing? Because I think every Ulster fan is just busting to see what this lad can do." You know, we've seen what he's done for the A's. Uh, he's in the sevens, but I think he's in the. I think he's got a. Um, uh, he's on the full Irish sevens, is he? He's got a, like a project type of thing going on. He's, he's, he's a prospect, isn't he? Certainly a prospect for sure. And anyway, I think at the minute now, uh, I think he's still he's still limb within the Ulster sevens at the minute. But uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him called up to the Irish sevens uh, before long. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's an absolute flying machine. I mean, the guy was—I well, think he's the Irish hundred and men's hundred and two hundred meter record holder, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's not far off the Olympic standard. Yes. Yeah, that's not that's a good idea. Well, hopefully, we'll see a lot more of him because we're we're seeing those videos of them, and you know, it just tempts the Ulster. The Ulster fans are just crying out to see him in the fifteens. Oh, wait, the poor lad doesn't come into the senior side. Have a terrible first game because you know what the fans are like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like uh, oh, one of my it all. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, when's the next one planned, David? It's, it's it's not far away. The next round of that, although it's not really. <laughs> it's just it's a I see. I'm just trying to have a wee look here. Um, no Lancaster, we're hoping to feel side in that. Leinster are hoping to be able to say, I think we're, I think we're looking into into the new year now at this rate of going, um, but uh, they haven't released the fixtures just yet for that. Right. Okay. Well, hopefully Leinster will. Well, no, hopefully they won't. And Ulster can stay second in the table behind Ireland. <laughs> I, I think even we'd still we'd still be sitting there in second, and that's my only. No, I'd say Leinster sevens are probably probably quite a tidy side too. Their academy sevens, I mean, given their academy. Um, right, okay, we'll, we'll get on to this, uh, this, this, this last subject, it'll probably be the bloody longest anyway. Ireland selection. Um, we've seen a team that's been announced, and maybe Joe could put that up first when he gets a chance to start playing against France this weekend. Uh, I don't think there are any shocks in it for me, and even in centre, although we all love Big Stu, I predicted it would be, I personally predicted it would be Henshaw and, and Farrell on the bench. Other than that, nothing really to shout about. It's, it's been forced by, you know, changes forced by injuries. And uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this team do in Paris if this game goes ahead, of course. Um, I, you know, this isn't Italy they're playing. I don't mean that disrespectfully, Ian. But um, away in Paris, I, big ask. But they do seem to be playing much more expansive rugby than we've seen in the past. What do you think if the game goes ahead? Does this team does this team stand a realistic chance of a winning and b putting a bonus point in France, which is not something we've done for an awful long time? 
Yeah, um, I think when I sort of previewed the game a little bit, um, sort of last weekend, I think I made mention to Ireland having to go tonight, sort of winning first round and looking for the bonus point. Um, but the you know the real positive thing there is that on that Irish team, you've got players that have beaten France in Paris, so there'll be no fear factor, there'll be no anything like that. Do I think it's a you know a mammoth task? Absolutely, given how France are playing, their physicality, their defence, their strength and attack, Vakatawa, players like that, and their backline into Mac, you know, becoming a serious ten. It's going to be a massive task. Serious test, I think, to see actually where this Irish team is at now. And um, I think with you know Andy Farrell, you'll get an idea where where they're at. But uh, I think it's an intriguing battle. Intriguing battle. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, John Kenny was called up as cover? Um, and I think um, a lot of Ulster fans feel a little bit annoyed that. The, the reason for him being dropped seemed to be for the couple of weeks after lockdown where Ulster didn't perform well at all, as we well know. Um, he's been superb in the first three weeks of the Pro 14. Um, he's been called in and not picked. And I mean, and I suppose we could argue the same with Stu McCluskey. I don't personally really see anybody else in the Ulster team that's really pushing for an Ireland spot at this time. We've got a lot of up-and-comers. Guys that might be there. I mean, I think James Humes, one we're probably going to be looking at in the future, a couple of years' time, maybe whatever. But I mean, I'm not saying we should have 10 players now inside, not at all. I think Stu McCluskey is one that does confuse me a little. He seems to get to an awful lot of camps, doesn't play games. Um, I think the last time he played, I watched him live in Dublin, it was the USA against the USA. Um, and John Cooney just does not seem to be able to convince the Irish management that he deserves a crack at starting a serious game. Um, what do you think, Ian, these, these lads can do to push on? I mean, the reason I'm is, it, it, of course, we're all a bit provincially biased. Of course we are. There's no doubt about that. But when you see lads that are in sort of the Pro 14 Dream Team two seasons in a row, one gets into the European Team of the Year, and he's, he's been nominated for European Player of the Year, he can't get a look in his national side. It does beg questions. Yeah, of course. And, you know, John is seriously, you know, is, is really gifted and, you know, has been a fantastic servant to rugby considering he, you know, had to fill the the boots of Ruan Pinar. I mean, he's done an unbelievable job because of that. So, um, no, I think he can definitely feel hard done by, but I, I suppose it's just... You know, Andy Farrell and Joe probably before him have seen things in in Conor Murray. You know, he's been a world class player. He's played for the Lions, and and you don't get there for nothing. So, I think you saw with Murray that his form was coming back a little bit. The speed of his ball, you know, his passing has never been a problem. I think it was just maybe the speed at which he was getting uh, getting there. I think that dramatically improved uh, against the game or the game against Italy. So. No, I think John can definitely feel hard done by, but that's you know that's the the ruthless streak of professional rugby is that some sometimes some coaches have a different idea to maybe what everyone else thinks, and it doesn't maybe fit into the mold of what they're trying to create. So um, I suppose you're just really fortunate that Ireland have so many good backup nines and good nines. You know, Marmion, Luke McGrath, and know Gibson Park has come on board now. I mean, they're quality quality players, 
and that's the you know the for Ireland to 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 break this barrier of the quarterfinal mark, that's what you need. You need to have these three, four world class players uh, constantly around. I think um, somebody was talking about Stu McCluskey as well, and uh, a recent uh, three blokes uh, video, and said something that maybe is true. That then you know, at any other time, Stu McCluskey would probably be a walking on that team, but he's just come along at a time where Ireland are so knee deep quality centres. They've just got there ahead of them. You know the system, they play it well. Why change them? You know, why why change it? Um and the reason I think the reason I was so sad, well the reason we didn't change it is because we're playing too much crash bang wall of rugby, too much 12 man rugby, we're too narrow, we're not going wide, we're not you know, we're very predictable. I think we saw enough from the Italy game that suggests Andy Farrell is going to try and change that a little. Seems to go, want to go a little bit more dynamic, open up play, variations. I think he's going to have to because I don't know about you guys, I'm sick of England having this harassment because we're so predictable. You know? <laughs> we've got to fix that. We've got to fix that. We can't be envious of them anymore. We've got to go out and beat them, which we've done before. Uh, and I think possibly for all to do that. Uh, Stockdale to fullback. Um, both of you, again, we'll start with you playing David. Good move or. Um, actually, I think it's a good move. Um, like you know, Stockdale's been playing for Ulster now at fullback for quite a while. You know, he's had a real good go at it, and I think really, it it was all it was all about giving him that extra skill set. That's what I think anyway, and I, I don't think anybody's going to try and sort of con- people will try and convince me otherwise. But I really think it's about getting that extra skill set together and. Certainly, considering we have a dearth of options now, both at wing and you know, you know, if you look at Keenan, you look, you know, you look at the way Keenan played there, you know, it's going to be seriously difficult for Stockdale to get back out in the wing, in my opinion. And so, you know, he's he's had to look at other options, or and or, maybe, or, or, or could we see Keenan go to fullback because that's one position he can play as well. Like Keenan, Keenan can play fullback as well, so. Again, I think if if you have that versatility and if you're able to if you're able to get a grasp on that unpredictable factor, is that X factor? Is that is that a little bit of unpredictability that you could sort of fire out a team and you're putting say even if you put England off their game a wee bit, especially if you put Keenan in at fullback and and Stockdale back in the wing, but maybe at half time you can shift around your pieces a wee bit, you know. And shift them back around, and you've got an extra dimension which perhaps they've planned for, perhaps they've not. So you've got that little, that little bit of extra, you know, behind you that you can switch that tactic at will. And all it takes is just you know one line, one change, and let's and let's try something different. So instead of playing this crash bang wall of rugby that, uh, frankly, we've all got too well used to, I believe. I think I think we've. If we keep Stockdale, give him more time at fullback. He's got the tools. He's got the he's got the foot to to get big grounded, and we've seen that. You know, like some of the kicks he produced there. Um, you know, you were gaining 30, 40, even fifty meters at one point. So from from my perspective, definitely, uh, definitely, I think we should be starting to more fullback just to give him that extra experience, give him the skill set, and. Maybe it might just fix a few of those defensive frailties that other promises have been want to remind us 
that he has uh, so that he can be sort of shifted off the team completely and maybe leave us with only maybe one player in a, in a, in a 23 instead of two. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, uh, he's definitely got the skill set to play there. Um, you know, huge vote of confidence that the you know the coaching staff want. They do see him there. Um, and again, it's just trying to create that player profile. You know, in each position, so they you know see Hammer um, and they see Stockdale as as a fifteen. So um, I think playing wing and fifteen are two completely different positions in terms of your defensive positioning. You you. You're a lot more exposed at fullback, um, but like that, I mean, he he's got the skill set. Just needs a bit of time, maybe, to get used to get used to different scenarios in the game that maybe were not presented. But he also played 15 a lot, uh, you know, as a kid, didn't he? You know, play under 20s as well. So it's not a position that's you know strange for him. But at international level, again, there's maybe a couple of things that might be slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think funny you mentioned that uh, Andy Farrell. Went out of his way to basically back him up at 15 and say, We think he's got to do that. So that sort of shows a bit of intent. I suspect the team for Ulster has probably become at the request of the coach as well. Let's see him there. Um, we've not got Will Allison for quite a while now, and we, we, we still don't know what the story is with Will. Uh, although I know he had to finally, he got surgery on the back. So hopefully that'll herald a return. But yeah, funny Keenan is another one. I mean, there's a lad that almost looks like he just he could just slot into fullback. I think he's, he plays fullback for uh, Leinster when he's on, doesn't he? Although he was on the wing one week. He has done, yeah. He's a fullback as well, isn't he? He is a fullback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 really looks like he's an exciting looking player. I have to say, everybody's talking about James Lowe. James Lowe, the new Messiah, James Lowe, and I'm sort of thinking, mm-hmm. that lad Keenan, <laughs> he could he could surprise. Oh, and actually put any one of them out of the team Stockdale, you know, low any of them because uh, he's looked fantastic in the first couple of games I've seen him for Leinster and then for Ireland he really looks like he's got the skills to push on hopefully he does we all know he, he can start great the only thing I was glad of was he probably should have had a hat-trick on Saturday um, only, okay, Ryan did block the player I'm not sure the player would have got Stockdale but he did block him I never thought to myself, well, hang on a minute. The last lad that scored a hat trick in his debut didn't fare too well down the line. That was Craig Gilroy, if you recall. And he didn't get picked very often after that, so maybe he done a favour. Um, but it's a pity because it was a lovely, lovely try. So we think, what, what's your gut feeling on Saturday? Not going to happen, Ian? Uh, gut feeling would be it's an extremely difficult game. If I'm to pick on form, I uh, would pick France, just the way they're playing. Just They seem to have everything at the moment. They have a bit of French flair. They've got a serious ruthless edge in defence with Sean Edwards there. Um, just some advantage again. Just, you know, I think those factors just sort of weigh in in France's favour. But, you know, if any team can beat them, it is Ireland. And you know, Sexton's done it before with, with miracles. Why can't he do it again? And also the French, have, the French have Larue saying as he's managed to escape any any bands after that uh, strange uh, strange elbow thrust at uh, at AWJ. So you know, uh, but uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm uh, the the head says France, but uh, uh, the boot says Ireland by three. Uh, 
Yeah. I think it really depends which brands turn up to you because sometimes they can turn up and be a bit antsy and if you get under their skin, they kind of lose their shape a bit, don't they? I think it um, depends on Intimac. I think if Intimac's playing well, we're in trouble. If not, then uh, there's plenty of space. And well, there's just mentioned they've got DuPont as well, who's uh, <coughs> no slack Do you think the squad will change much then for the Eight Nation tournament uh, as and if and when it kicks off? Yeah, I, th I think it will because you just have so many games. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, yeah, I, uh, so absolutely. I think it'll be a chance to give guys you know on the fringes like your Roman McCloskey and Ross Byrne and these guys that maybe haven't gotten many starts under their belts just to get that experience I think just yeah. finishing the Six Nations is, is massive um, making sure that you you know can potentially win a title from a doom and gloom result in Twickenham would be an unbelievably positive result from from an Irish point of view so, yeah. um, but no I think undoubtedly the, the squad will, will take quite a lot and do you think, uh, do you think for the Autumn Nations Cup, Ian, do you think, you know, there'll be much change in the Irish squad? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, I think guys have sort of proven themselves, you know, at Six Nations level World Cups. Um, so I think it is, it is a good chance to give younger guys an opportunity. Okay. Right, gents. I think we better wrap that up because we're overstaying our welcome and Joe gets very angry if we overstay our welcome. Um, so, good review. And Ian, brilliant to have you on the show. Always brilliant. Thanks, Thanks for having me. And, uh, Appreciate hopefully it. You'll hopefully you'll come on again when you've had a lot of coaching by ATM stuff to tell. <laughs> Very really. Uh, but mate, always brilliant. Always appreciate you coming on and giving us reviews. No worries. Anytime. Dave, the wing nuts. Night, King. Always a pleasure, my man. Enjoy oh, work. Absolutely. Uh, guys, obviously, we'll just remind you again, this has been the... Uh, also, Rugby Roundup, Lantern Crack show that we do. And it's in partnering with uh, Kane Adel Biltong, Hellbent Foods, and the Irish Whiskey Review. The next show coming up is regarding uh, look, keep an eye out for them because I've absolutely forgotten the dates. Um, the next show that three blokes the ball the ball will do will be wheelchair rugby. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be doing it'll be doing a Pro 14 review, uh, which I think the dates to be confirmed. But an eye on the, keep an eye on the three blokes in the ball page because there's there's three shows a week sometimes there's more depending on what's going on keep your eyes open guys and enjoy them gents thanks again fantastic to talk to you as, as always and dave we'll see you next time and ian we'll see you soon mate and best of luck with uh perfect thanks very much take care right. thanks. Thanks. Thanks.